Hello, we are back with another episode of Tales of the Mendicant Preachers. This one is in regards to St. John of the Cross. I wanted to talk about three uh, great literary works in the mystical theology field by people who were imprisoned at the time of their writing. And St. John of the Cross, ironically, was imprisoned by his own brothers when he wrote uh, the books that he wrote. This one is from the Ascent of Mount Carmel that he wrote, The Dark Night of the Soul, The Spiritual Canticle, and um, he is one of the greats in mystical theology. And so here I picked a selection from uh, the Ascent of Mount Carmel where he speaks about the harm that results from surrender to sensible gratifications to devotional objects and places. And I thought this was a, an important one because I think many of us um, uh, struggle with this. I do hear about this uh, in a lot of emails that I receive. Um, and I also struggle it with, with it myself and hear about it from friends and people near me. Um, we all want to have those constant consolations. And what St. John of the Cross here is reminding us of is the importance of our focus and our discipline to the path to which we are called. And so this is chapter 41 and chapter 42 of the Ascent of Mount Carmel. And this is speaking <coughs> first about um, these devotional objects and places, and then three different kinds of devotional places and the way we should approach it instead, which is pretty cool. So he says, spiritual persons incur many kinds of interior and exterior harm by their desire to get sensible delight from the use of devotional objects. As for interior harm, one will never reach inward recollection of spirit, which consists in passing beyond all these sensory delights, making the soul forget them, entering into the living temple of spiritual recollection, and acquiring solid virtue. With regard to the exterior harm, a person will be rendered incapable of praying everywhere, but will be able to pray only in those places suited to his taste, and thus be frequently wanting in prayer. As the saying runs, he knows no other book than that of his own village. Moreover, the appetites of these individuals will be the occasion of considerable inconstancy. Some never persevere in one place, nor even at times in one state. But now you see them in one spot, and now in another, now choosing one hermitage, now another. At one moment, they will be decorating one oratory, and at the next, another. I see myself in this. Some also pass their time here below changing states and modes of life. The fervor and joy they find in their spiritual practices is merely sensible. And they have never made any effort to reach spiritual recollection through denial of their wills and submission to the suffering of discomforts. Consequently, as often as they see a seemingly devotional place or way or state of life adapted to their disposition and inclination, they immediately leave what they have and follow after it. And since they are motivated by sensible gratification, they soon begin to look for something else. For sensible satisfaction is inconstant and very quick to fail. 
And I'll have some really cool words from another great, uh, I believe this person is a blessed, uh, but uh, who is also imprisoned to help us with this. But this is what uh, St. John of the Cross then says about the three different kinds of devotional places and the ways that we should approach it in a more constant way. There are three different kinds of places I find by which God usually moves the will. The first includes those sites which have pleasant variations in the arrangement of the land and the trees and provide solitary quietude, all of which naturally awakens devotion. It is advantageous to use these places if one immediately directs the will to God in the forgetfulness of the place itself. Since one should not be detained by the means and motive more than necessary for the attainment of the end. If a person strives for recreation of his appetites and for sensory satisfaction, he will rather encounter spiritual dryness and distraction because spiritual satisfaction and contentment is found only in interior recollection. When a person therefore prays in a beautiful sight, he should in endeavor to be interiorly, interiorly with God and forget the place as though he were not there at all. For when people wander about looking for delight and gratification from a particular site, they are in search, as we said, for sensory recreation and spiritual instability more than spiritual tranquility. The anchorites and other holy hermits, while in the loveliest and vastest wildernesses, chose for themselves as small an area as possible, built narrow cells and caves, and enclosed themselves within. Saint Benedict lived in one of these for three years, and Saint Simon tied himself with a cord so as not to use up more space or go farther than the cord allowed. Uh, there are many other examples of this kind of mortification of which we would never finish speaking, for those saints clearly understood that without extinguishing their appetite and covetousness for spiritual gratification and delight, they would never become truly spiritual. You see what happens here, how we, we get caught up in creating the beauty all around us. You can see I do it too. And so we want to actually create that beauty from within. The second kind of place in which God moves the will to devotion is more particular it includes those localities, whether wildernesses or not, in which God usually grants some very delightful spiritual favors to have a natural inclination toward that place and will sometimes experience immense desires and longings to return there. But when he returns, he discovers that the place is not to him what it was before because these favors do not lie within his power. God bestows these graces when and how and where he wills without being bound to place or time or to the free will of the recipient. See, we have to become the cell. We have to become the place that receives that Holy Spirit gift, not the places we go to. Yet it is good sometimes to return there for prayer anyway, provided one's soul is divested of the desire for spiritual possessions, there are three reasons. First, it seems that although God is not bound to any place, he desires in granting the favor to receive praise there from that soul. Second, 
The soul, when there, will be more mindful of thanking God for his favors. And third, while remembering the graces received there, a more fervent devotion will be awakened. There are the reasons for return. These are the reasons for returning to that place. And one, consequently, should not think that God is bound to grant favors there as if he were unable to do so wherever he wishes. For the soul is a more becoming and suitable place for God than any material sight. And so you see what St. John of the Cross is acknowledging is what many of us have experienced is that it is wherever we are, whatever we generate from within, we create the cell within our own body, within our own spiritual body, so that wherever our bed may lie is where the experience can arise we are the cell. It's not a particular place. It's not a particular home. It is what we generate in our own soul. We read in sacred scripture that Abraham built an altar in the very place God appeared and there called upon his holy name. Afterwards, on his return from Egypt, he went to the same place where God had appeared and invoked him again at that very altar he had built there. By setting up a stone anointed with oil, Jacob also marked the place where God, leaning upon a ladder, had appeared to him. Agar, with highest esteem for that place where the angel appeared to her, gave it a name, saying, Certainly here have I seen the shoulders of him who sees me. The third kind of place comprises those in which God chooses to be invoked and worshiped. For example, Mount Sinai, where he presented the law to Moses, and the place he marked for the sacrifice of Abraham's son, and also Mount Horeb, to which he sent our father Elias for the sake of appearing to him there, and Mount Garganus, the place St. Michael dedicated to God's cult by appearing to the Bishop of Sepanto and telling him how he guarded that place so that a chapel might be dedicated to God there in memory of the angels, and the site which the Blessed Virgin, through the miracle of snow, pointed out for a church which she desired Patricius to build in her name. And many, you know, this, this is St. John of the Cross, and his time was the Middle Ages, many other sites like these where God has directed churches to be built, temples to be built, or ashrams, monasteries, holy sites, caves, dwellings, uh, Buddhist temples, um, other sites. There are sites all around the world where devotion has been built up thousands of years, whether it's Islamic, Jewish, Hindu, Buddhist, Native American sites. Why God chooses one place in which to receive praise more than another, he alone knows. What we should know is that he does all for our own benefit and so that he may hear our prayers in these places or anywhere in which we beseech him with integral faith. Yet there is much greater occasion to be heard in those places consecrated to him since the church has so marked and dedicated them. And what I would add there, again, is going back to what he says here about not getting attached to the sensible gratification to devotional objects and places and remembering that that spiritual place 
is within you. And I'd like to move on now to this other person who's going to kind of give you more guidance, simplistic guidance from prison on how we do that in our daily lives. See you in a minute. 